This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Every once in a while, people come into your life that um, are real difference makers. And uh, for me, I'm very fortunate to be in a place in my life where I get to meet some amazing people. Uh, Joel Block and I met several years ago at a conference that was somebody else's conference. And then we ended up being in the same speaker group as part of the National Speakers Association, where some of the, some of the um, I'll call them top tier speakers, get together and usually once a month, and we just kind of share best practices. Hey, what's out there in the world? How are you doing things? What's going on? And Josh, or uh, Josh, Joel was, Joel was running, he was the, the group leader when the pandemic hit. And I watched Joel just from a leadership perspective, um, understand that our business was going to be massively affected. How many of you wish you would be a, a motivational speaker during a pandemic when every event in the world shut down? <laughs> like, you understand what I'm saying? Joel, I was, my wife and I were talking the other day. We've been married 35 years now. And the reason we're happy is because I travel. And so for the last year and a half, I've been home. And my wife's like, dude, one of us has to leave town. Otherwise, this is not working. So she started booking trips. So now she's traveling. <laughs> and so I was thinking, well, anyway, so Josh was running this. Or Josh, I just got off the phone with Josh May, who's one of our coaching clients, Joel. So if I have Josh on the brain, um, Joel was running this group. And he took a, 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 a monthly meeting and said, you know what? The world's changing. We better figure this out. And we turned it into a weekly call. Every Thursday, we get on the call. And it was really interesting to watch these elite speakers. Most of them earn over a million dollars a year in speaker fees. That's how good they are. Um, watch everything get vanished off their calendars. And I don't know if you can imagine all of these deals going off your calendar, like in two, three days, they're just evaporating. And everybody was freaking out. And Joel had the foresight and the, um, and the passion to be able to kind of bring this group together and really think about how we can adapt our businesses and change the way we do things and serve our communities in every industry. And that almost everybody in that group had growth during the pandemic. And it was really cool to see the shift in an adaptation. Now, that's not why Joel's here. Joel's here um, because I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. And I've watched him from the outside, what he does with real estate investing and managing his head funds. We brought him in as a speaker to talk to just our team leaders this year at Leverage. And a whole bunch of our team leaders went through a program with Joel and ended up building hedge funds. And he's going to talk a little bit about that. But one of the things when uh, that we do in this uh, speaker group is the different speakers get to talk about what their business model is. And when Joel presented his business model, he introduced this concept to me uh, called the revenue octopus. And just the name of that sounded so cool. I wished I could steal it. We have a we have a, a workman success mascot that's an octopus. And so I love the concept of the revenue octopus, but I'd never put those two things together. And then he shared with me how people in real estate can create multiple streams of income and put themselves in a position to build real wealth. Is there anybody that's on this call that is interested in building long-term wealth, not just selling houses? Any, I mean, okay. Joel, I think we have a good, a good, Lynette's not sure, but everybody else raised their hand. Oh, okay. You're in Lynette. All right, good. 
you forgot that video is on. She's like, yeah, whatever. I'm glad you're here. And so Joel Block is a futurist. He's a true money business insider. And so if you want to know how money works and how the people that have real wealth build it, Joel's the guy that you talk to. He's a longtime venture capitalist. He's a hedge fund manager. He sold a publishing company to a Fortune 500. Um, he keynotes conferences worldwide. He's a, he's a very highly sought after speaker. And he also shares the inside track on different ways to disrupt your competitor's future. I want you to think about that. How do we disrupt our competition's future? Um, and he shares that with business executives and teams with just a massive amount of success. Joel, thanks for being here. And I, you know, Joel does this as a favor to me. I, I call Joel up and I say, Joel, I want to share with um, our clients, non-clients, just like what's going on in the world. And he has such great knowledge and information. Joel, I appreciate you being here and thank you for being, uh, being my guest today. Hey, Verlison, uh, you know, you're a dear friend. I will, uh, I will appear for you anywhere you ask. Just say the word. So thank okay. you. I'm going to remember that you said that, and I and I appreciate it. So, Joel, let's just kind of talk about, you know, leverage was in January of this year, and so it's it's only been like like eight or nine months since you were virtually in front of my group in Salt Lake City, Utah, and we had a bunch of people start, you know, getting into hedge funds and stuff like that. Give me a little bit of a uh, insight of what's been going on. Tell me what, a little bit about what you do, and then we'll get into the revenue octopus. Give me some. Give me how that how it ends for some people. Yeah. Okay. I think it'll create more interest. Well, let, me, let me let me first um, let me first go back. You asked everybody a question about whether they want to make any money or not, or they or whatever they want to do. You know, what are they? And all people want to raise their hand. I'm just going to tell you that talk is cheap. Raising your hand is simple. Actually making things happen takes a little more effort than just raising your hand, nodding your head and saying yes. It, it really, it takes more work. And my experience is that uh, most people uh, really don't uh, walk the talk, so to speak. I mean, y'all agree with the, you understand what I'm saying? And uh, it's entirely possible. There are people who do it. There are people who are very successful, uh, but those people have to take action. And uh, <clears throat> It's very interesting because now, now let's flip to Verl's question. Several of these people, uh, about 15 years ago, I, I was asked by uh, somebody at Marks and Millichap, one of their executives, <clears throat> to come and do a, <clears throat> a program for them on how to raise capital to buy real estate. And uh, this was during the 0708 crash and you know the whole thing. And they're saying, listen, if we can't broker real estate, then we think we should start buying it because it's at the rock bottom. And, and that's, uh, that was true at that time. And we're, we're kind of in an interesting place again now. But uh, so I did this conference. It was a home run. People had never seen anything like it. They, you know, I'm in the Wall Street business. I mean, I, I circulate with Wall Street people. I do what Wall Street people do. Uh, do. Uh, I raise capital from investors and then I take that money and I buy real estate. Now, I'm also licensed as a broker in California. I've been licensed for 30 years. I've never taken one listing. And I promise you, I've made more money in commissions than almost any real estate broker you or met. And I've never taken a single listing. How is that possible? It's because all the money I, I raise, I'm the broker of record for our entire group. For all of us, I'm the broker. So every time I turn around, I'm getting a brokerage commission for something. But who's my client? It's me. I'm the client. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, several people that Ro was talking about uh, said they want to learn how to do what I do. They, they would like to learn how to be a client instead of learn how to be a broker. Now, by the way, 
you do not have to stop being a broker or a salesperson or a realtor or whatever, however you refer to yourself in order to also be a client. In fact, the reason that people want to give us money is because we have deal flow. It's because we're in the marketplace as brokers or as intermediaries that people want to do business with us because they know we have more deal flow than they do. They know that we see things that they never, ever will ever see. We have the inside track. They do not. They want to be on the inside track, but they can't get on the inside track. And the only way they can get on the inside track is to ride on our coattails and share the profits with us. So they put up all the money and we split the profits. And that means that if I raise a million dollars, that I'm getting 30, 40, or 50% of the profit on a million dollars that isn't mine. And if I want to make twice as much, I go raise another million. And if I want to raise twice as much again, I go raise more. And by the way, every time I'm buying a building, I get a brokerage commission. Every time I make a loan, I get a loan commission. Every time I collect a rent check, I get a property management commission. You see how this works? It's pretty simple. And so uh, now I didn't make this up. This business is 40, 50, 60 years old. And the way I learned how to do this is right out of college, uh, I was a young CPA and I worked at Price Waterhouse as a youngster. And my job with an army of other young accountants was to do the books and records and, and make tax returns for about 500 real estate partnerships. And every day I would come into work and I had to do four tax returns. That was my job every day, four, every day, four, four, four. It was, it was horrible. All I can tell you was horrible. It was absolutely the worst, most horrible work. I hated doing the tax returns, but I just loved reading the partnership agreements. I loved them. And, and, and I said to myself, I don't want to be a tax return doer. I want to be a deal maker like these guys. I mean, I knew that as a, as a 24-year-old young man. So I left the accounting world and I did my first deal and many years later now. So now we, we teach other people who want to do this, uh, how it works. And we pull back the curtain and, uh, and, and one of the, several people now are building funds and we, we have made, this isn't like a seminar, like a joke. I mean, I'm not, this isn't like where I'm kidding around. I mean, this is like, we take the top five or 10% of the people who are participating wherever we go. And we turn those people into very, very successful people because it's not that you don't have the character. If your character is there, what you don't know, you don't have the blueprint. You don't have the roadmap. Now, you know, now Verl can teach you how to be a, a better broker, an intermediary, how to get a pipeline, all those kind of things. But if you want to go to the next level and be a client, there's a certain way that that works. And, and, and that's what we teach people. So uh, Chris Collins, who Verl, you of course know very well, and maybe some of you know, he, he, he went on for at least 30 minutes. Uh, we had a reunion of our class here a couple of weeks, a uh, week or so ago. And he must've spoken for 30 minutes about what happened to him in the course of this process. And if I could summarize it in maybe a sentence or two, he always felt that realtors, you know, and again, I don't know what to call you guys. You know, y'all have your own names, whatever you call yourselves. So I don't want to, you know, hurt anyone's feelings by saying the wrong thing because we live in a very politically charged climate. If you say the wrong thing, everybody gets all jumpy and everything. So, um, but uh, he said that he always kind of felt that, you know, we could make, 
I don't know, 50 or 100 grand, and maybe the superstars would make 250 or 500 grand. There was some range of dollars that brokers fall into. And, and maybe there's somebody out there that makes some number of millions of dollars, but there aren't very many. Most people kind of fall into some bucket where they do okay. And what he said that I did for him was tore the lid off the bucket and made the possibility of him making unlimited amounts of money seem possible. Because I showed him what the formula was, how Wall Street does it. And nobody understands money better than people on Wall Street. And, and I'm not talking about reconciling your bank account, understanding money. I'm talking about understanding money at a level uh, that, that accountants and attorneys don't understand it. I mean, at a really, really high level. And when I show these, um, these participants the formula, they, they really were shocked by it. So uh, Chris is, is on the track. Other people are on the track. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's it. So Verl, you, you really turned over some really high quality people because that, that five or 10% that we look for are people who affiliate with you. And so that's why, you know, what we do and what you do is such a nice, uh, you know, yin and yang. Yeah. You know, the, the cream kind of rises to the top and they, they self-identify the people that are on this call. I'm looking at the people that are here. Pretty amazing. This is a pretty exceptional group. Uh, Joel, when you look at the individuals that are here. So let's kind of just get into it a little bit and talk about, you know, why there's a problem and how we solve it. You mean, you, you want me to talk about the problem? Yeah. Okay. Well, the problem that, um, that we solve, uh, you know, in, in my business and in, in your business, rural, and, and what you help people to do is a little different people when people are looking for houses, but people all have leftover money. They all have some savings account. They have an IRA account. They have a pension account. Uh, they may have a business that has a pension fund. Whatever they have, they all have some extra money and they just don't know how to invest those dollars. They'd like to put more money in real estate. Uh, the stock market's good, but they're afraid that it's going to go down. Uh, there's a lot of risk in different things. And, and even if they put some money in the stock market, that's fine. Uh, they want to put some money in the stock market. They want to put some money in real estate. And not everybody in the world wants to buy uh, a fixer-upper and do all the work themselves. They might be very busy at their job. They might be uh, a professional person. They might be a business owner. And they just don't have the resources to do these things by themselves. So uh, they're always looking, especially wealthier people. And I'm not talking about billionaires. I'm talking about people that might put in 100 grand, 50 grand, you know, 200 grand. I mean, somewhere, you know, typically between 50 and three or 400,000 is kind of the range of people that most of us uh, smaller syndicators tend to deal with. <clears throat> and there are lots of people that have resources that they just don't know how to properly invest. Uh, their stockbroker will put it in stock, but stockbrokers don't work in the real estate sector. They don't sell the kind of uh, what are called private placements. Now, let me just explain here real quick that there are really two different ways in the United States that stocks get sold. There are public companies and public companies go through this rigorous process of getting registered with the SEC, which is the Securities and Exchange Commission, and they regulate the stock markets. And, and then there are these exempt securities. There are things that uh, it's too expensive to go through the public process. So they, the people like me agree, listen, we're not going to sell them 
to people that can't take care of themselves. We tend to work with wealthier people. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't take a few people, your cousins, your neighbors, you can't take a few, take a few of those. But the majority of people you deal with tend to be uh, a little wealthier people. They don't be zillionaires, but they're, they're doing better. And those are exempt from registration. So those are called private securities or private placements. And the word place in stock market parlance means to sell. So you're selling something privately or a public placement, you're selling it publicly through the uh, public markets. Well, you know, people say to me, Joel, have, have many people ever heard of this uh, whole private placement deal? It may surprise you to find out that the private placement market in the United States is bigger than the entire United States market. Anybody want to take a guess why the uh, private placement market is bigger? Put it in the chat. If anybody has any sense about why the private placement market is bigger than the entire United States stock market, what do you think is held in private placement that everybody's investing in? Just put it right in the chat. Earl, what are, what are people saying? Anybody putting any comments there? REIT, real estate. It's all real estate. Almost all investment real estate is held this way in private placements. I'm not talking about people's homes, but when you're dealing with more commercial style properties, rental properties, apartment buildings, uh, the Empire State Building until I think recently it went public, but you know most of these transactions, they're all private transactions. Joe, I think it's because it's more secure as an investment and it pays highest returns. I, I, when I look at real estate, most of the people that I know that either have real wealth, either made it or keep it in real estate. Yeah. And, and, um, so, and, and the should, way that these deals are structured. Uh, but how, or... The way these deals are structured is they're all structured as private placements. And that's what uh, most people don't know how to put together. And that's what we teach people how to do. So uh, the whole concept is that uh, investors do understand this. Investors look for this. Investors want these kinds of deals. They understand uh, that there's always a little bit of risk. But you know what? It's a risk getting in your car and driving down the street. So there are lots and lots of different kinds of risks. And, and, and these are not any more severe than most other things. So the bottom line is that uh, people do want to be involved in these things. And the problem they have is they don't know what to do. They don't know where to put their money. They don't know how to get involved in real estate except for to buy their own piece of real estate, but they don't wanna be active. They wanna be passive. So if somebody wants to be passive, I'm willing to be active. People give me the money and then I'll say, listen, I'll manage the deal. I'll take care of everything that needs to be cared, taken care of. And then we'll share the money back together and we'll send that back. And that's exactly what happens. And that, is how people make uh, you know tremendous amounts of money in real estate, and you know they can either buy it directly themselves, which takes a lot of work, or they can buy it through a partnership. And even if you buy it directly, what can you buy? Can you buy a great apartment building? Can you buy a great shopping center? Most people don't have the resources to buy it all by themselves. So instead, what they do is they go in partnership with other people, coordinated by a quarterback like me, who's called the promoter or the sponsor of the deal, and and that's it. Now. Um, some of you are thinking, well, God, you know, I, I don't know that I want to organize one of these deals, but I have clients that are syndicators, hedge funds, promoters, they're professional sponsors, whatever they are. I'd like to understand a little bit more about how the world works for those people, because 
the better you understand it, the more likely you are to be successful working with them as a client. And let me tell you, you'd be lucky to get one of these kind of people as a client because they're buying constantly. These people can give you, you know, if you ever, any of you ever worked with Invitation Homes, that's an example of a hedge fund that just bought about 10,000 homes. They had realtors all over the country, busy buying, selling, buying, 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 doing all that. A lot of people made a lot of dough with Invitation Homes and some of these other big companies. So, uh, you know, there's uh, there's an awful lot of opportunity that's out there. So I, so I like that. So as an agent, what you're saying is that understanding how money works puts you in a position to put yourself in the middle of it, whether you're going to be a participant and build a fund and develop real asset resources throughout purchase or be able to understand how it works so that you can attract that kind of business coming into your business. Either way, there's a tremendous opportunity. I mean, you know, listen, uh, if, if I was looking for a broker, I would prefer somebody that understood something about my business. I would prefer somebody that understood something about what it is that I do. Yeah. Uh, it just to me, it would be better. <clears throat> and that um, and that's probably true for other people, too. So, you know, that's uh, that's important. So, Joel, one of the things that was most interesting to me is when you took me through this process of, and so, um, you know, Joel is talking about big stuff, but it doesn't have to be huge. It can be, you can start with a pretty small fund. Give me an idea of like what it looks like for someone to go out. And, like if I wanted to build a fund, like what are the, give me some steps and then tell me where yeah. the revenue comes yeah. from. So let's say that uh, you said, listen, I've got four or five investors uh, that have said that if I, uh, you know, buy something, they'd like to participate. And you'd be surprised how many people would probably like to participate because if you found something that you thought was good and you're a professional and they trust your judgment, uh, they're going to probably want to ride along with you because they don't have access to the kinds of things that you do. Now, um, a piece of real estate requires a lot of different kinds of services from all different kinds of people. So for example, let's just, and here's just a hypothetical. Let's say that um, you, know, you got some people that want to be in your deal. The first thing that you're going to do, step one, is you form an LLC, you know, and, and you don't do these things as done by, a, by an attorney or somebody or somebody like me helps you to kind of organize these steps. But here's the steps. You form an LLC and investors put their money into the LLC in exchange for some stock. So let's say that uh, they, uh, in my case, we sell 60% of the stock. So let's say we raise a million dollars. Uh, those investors for a million dollars get 60% of the company. And guess who gets the other 40% of the company? Me. Okay, so I own the other 40%. Now, as soon as the company's formed, we're now ready to go. We have a million dollars in the bank. We're ready to go buy a piece of real estate. Well, um, first thing we got to do, because it's an LLC, the LLC can't buy the real estate for itself. It needs to hire a real estate broker. So who would be the best person for it to hire? Well, I think I'd be the best person for it to hire. And for your deal, you would be the best person for it to hire. So we put in the documents that I'm gonna be the broker of record. And that means first that I'm gonna procure the piece of real estate and I'm gonna get a brokerage commission. And by the way, how much do I discount my fees? How much am I negotiated down every time I get into the middle of a transaction? None. How much am I asked to contribute toward repairs, maintenance and other kinds of fixes? None. You know, it, it just doesn't happen. I don't have the problem. Oh, by the way, and then uh, how often does it happen that somebody wakes up in the morning and changes their mind, gets in a bad mood, doesn't want to close, strings you along, does some, never, it never happens. 
because I don't lie. I don't joke around. I don't tell myself stories. You, you see all the kinds of problems are being an intermediary. I have complete control and I'm in complete control of when these things happen. So first I'm the broker. Second, uh, I, I might take a capital raising fee if I'm properly licensed to do that. And that means for all the money that came in, I could charge a, a fee for doing that. If the property, let's say we put a down payment of 25 or 30%, then we go get a loan for 70%. If I'm properly licensed in, in the state, wherever we're operating, if I want to take a loan broker fee, I could do that. Um, and then we're going to have property management for the next five years or so. I mean, every, every month that we collect rent, there's going to be a property management fee that's going to be assessed. And then we might decide that we need to, uh, we might have uh, maintenance. There, there might, we might want to form a maintenance company of some kind. So we, instead of hiring a plumber all the time, we might decide to have our own plumber on staff if we have enough properties to uh, take care of that. And then if it's a commercial property, there might be leasing fees. Um, once in a while, we'll find a property that just doesn't meet our criteria, but it's still a good property and we'll flip it and we'll make some money on that. Now that doesn't go to the investors because we didn't use their money, but we're, we're doing deals. We're seeing stuff. I mean, we're in the marketplace. We're the big gorilla in the marketplace. We're the guys walking around with the checkbook. And let me tell you that if you want anybody's attention, all you have to do is just uh, walk around the checkbook. So we'll flip a few things. And then every once in a while, there's consulting opportunities. There's, there's all kinds of stuff. I know people that uh, there are people we built funds for that um, they own title, they own escrow. So they, they, do, they do business with their own companies. I mean, they're, you know, and as long as all these things are properly disclosed, uh, these things are all legal. It's all done under the auspices of uh, properly licensed attorneys who are experts in these types of things. But they're really, really big money. So there are fees all the way through the transaction. But the really big money comes on the back and when you get your profit split, and that could be uh, you know 40% or so. So here's what happens. You get paid for really two important things. Most people are really only getting paid for one thing. They're getting paid uh, for their time. Brokers are really getting paid for their time. You call it a commission, but you're getting paid for time, you know, for working. But you're not getting paid for being smart, which is finding great properties. People who do flips are getting paid for being smart finding great properties, but they're not getting paid for their time. All the, the five or six or eight or 10 months that went into making the deal work. <clears throat> In our business, we're getting paid for time and being smart. So we're getting paid for all the things that we do along the way. And then we get a big bump at the end. And that's how you create wealth. You don't create wealth by having one or the other because one or the other is not enough because you got these expenses that it takes to keep your life going, keep your family going, keep your business going, whatever you have to keep going. So you have to really do both. You have to have the yellow dot in the middle, which is the real estate equity. And then you have to have all the fees around the side. And that's called a revenue octopus. When you have all the fees working for you at one time, then you're in a powerful place. And that's the, uh, that's the octopus that we're talking about. So Viral, that's, that's, why, that's why Wall Street people make so much money. And it's why other people, they make a good living. Uh, nothing wrong with the living that they make. But uh, that's why, you know, there are people who make a whole hell of a lot more money than other people. So, so um, what's interesting is, is being a real estate investor oftentimes feels like it's out of reach, meaning we go out and we're so caught up in the game of selling other people's real estate that we don't believe we have the capacity to put together our own group to go out there and buy real estate. How do you get from that place of just being a, having a job in real estate to understanding that you have 
the connections and the resources to be able to move forward and grow. It's, uh, you know, listen, there's a certain leap. And first of all, you have to, you have to learn how to do it. You don't just make the steps up as you go along because it's too complicated and you don't want to make any mistakes. Uh, and you just have to, uh, you have to have some guidance, but you know, it's, uh, it's out there. And we've, we have made a lot of people uh, very successful. And, and by the way, the people that we start with, we don't take unsuccessful people and make them successful. We take people who are already having successes in their life, high quality people, and, and we make them more successful. And, and that's a very important distinction is we don't turn zero into a hundred. We turn uh, you know 40s, 50s, and 60s into a hundred. And that's a very big difference. People who are really already on the track somebody that's already rolling along and we make them better. And that's, uh, that's an important distinction. You have to have the internal fortitude uh, to make it happen and we'll give you the tools to do more. Okay, so a question from David says, what about if you're in your 60s, does it take too much time or do I still have some runway? Am I too old to get oh, started? Yeah, listen, there, there's, this, this is a great business for somebody who's a little bit older because you're not doing cold calling. You're not doing a lot of the, the groundwork that, that somebody who has to build a business, uh, you know, as a, as a real estate professional might otherwise have to build. And, and by the way, who has most of the money in our society? It's people who are a little older, people who are in their late 40s, 50s, and 60s. Who are they most likely to trust? People who are like also in their later years. So uh, I, I think there's great advantage. And that doesn't mean that people who aren't in their 30s and 40s can't be successful. They absolutely can, uh, but they have to work their networks in a different way. And so uh, I, I wouldn't say that uh, you're out of the you're out of the league at all. So, Joel, let's say that I want to build a fund, and um, I, like, give me kind of a roadmap. I I know that you do a course, and then yeah. the next step. Well, that then, that's like, how so, long so, does it how long does it take? What is the process? So let's put it like this. I mean, we, we teach a class, and that's because we want to make sure that everybody understands what's going on. You have to kind of understand this from a a, a 10 or 20,000 foot level. You have to understand what's going on. But then when somebody says, listen, I love this. I want to do this. Those people, uh, then they start building a fund. And here's kind of what it is. The first thing you have to do is you got to build a little marketing material. We start with the marketing material because the marketing material is what helps somebody get crystal clear so that they can go out and talk to investors and if you're not crystal clear about exactly what you're doing, you can't just say, hey, listen, you need some money and we're going to go buy some real estate. Well, what kind? And anything that we find, we'll decide later on. No, people will not give you money with an unlimited leash. They want to know that there are some parameters. They want to know that there are some uh, goals, that the fund has a theme. And people tend to prefer uh, certain kinds of asset classes. So for example, there are some people who like uh, apartments. There's some people who like houses. There's some people like commercial. So First thing we're going to do is we're going to build the marketing material. We're going to determine a theme, uh, which you're probably going to be pretty clear about, uh, but I'm going to make you more clear. And we're going to create some marketing material. And that marketing material, which we call an executive overview, is going to serve as uh, your marketing stuff. It might be the basis for your website, for your fund. And, and that's what you're going to give people. Once that material is done, then we go through and I help you to figure out the answers to the business questions about how you wanna share the money with the investors, how you wanna get paid, what fees do you wanna take, all the different things about making the fund work. Uh, and then the attorney takes all those notes that uh, you and I have put together and then turns those into a, a series of documents that's 125 to 150 pages long. 
And, and then you go out and you start finding your money. And while the attorney is building that, of course, you're probably talking to investors uh, as you talk to people in your real estate business. So what are you interested in? I'm interested in buying a house. Great. Put those people in the house bucket. What are you interested in? Well, I just recently bought a house. Well, is there anything else you might be interested in real estate? Well, you know what? I, I really don't want to, uh, you know, work too much, but I might be interested in still doing more real estate. Is there a different way to do it? Well, as a matter of fact, yes, there is. We, you know, we got a fund, we got this, we got that. So you put those people on a list and you start, you start prospecting and building lists of people who might be interested. Keep track of what they're interested in. And if the only thing that you're looking for is people who want to buy a house, then, uh, then that's what you're going to find. The second you start looking for people who want more than that, you're going to find more than that. So again, uh, just because they want to buy a house, uh, don't put them aside. Absolutely keep track of those, but ask them, uh, you know, listen, maybe there are people who are not ready to buy a house, or maybe they bought a house last year and they're not ready for a new house. At the moment that you're in right now, they can't be your customer anymore. But what I'm talking about, they can still be your customer. And they might have friends that don't want to buy a house, but want to come into your deal. And they put you squarely in charge. And by the way, you no longer have a realtor relationship with them. Realtors don't have, uh, you know, a deep, intense family relationship. They may have a temporary important relationship, but a money manager has a deep familial relationship with people uh, they, because you're now involved in a really intimate part of their life and you've really gone to another level. So this is possible for you to have a couple different touch points with many different people. And, and that's what's powerful about this. So uh, bottom line is that, uh, you know, once people say that they wanna do it, we guide them through a series of steps about building their executive overview, answering the questions to help them build their, uh, uh, build their business materials. And then we turn everything over to the attorney and, and, and they write it down for us. And it really, uh, we make the process uh, quite simple. And it's the class that helps you to understand what makes all this work. I'm thinking, as you're talking, Joel, I'm thinking about a lot of things. Like I love the idea of the concept of having a marketing package put together, the type of fund that you're going to build that you might have some expertise in. Uh, are people able to find deals today? Like are these funds able to go out and find assets to buy that aren't 10% over retail? Well, you know, let, let's put it like this. Um, the pandemic caused what, what I, you know, we write a trend report every, uh, every year our firm publishes a report for our clients and, and friends of our firm. And one of the trends is called the, uh, the asset shuffle. And the pandemic caused the shuffle. So for example, there are a lot of assets. They may not be homes, by the way, but a lot of commercial assets are really just, they're in terrible distress. Um, if you owned a restaurant and the restaurant couldn't uh, do any business for a year, you, you might've lost the restaurant. So uh, that restaurant got turned back to the landlord. That space was probably available for a very, very low price. And maybe it still is. There still are shopping centers that are uh, largely empty. And let me just tell you that there were large companies, companies that were ready with their capital, and they don't all have to be large, but you have to have your money organized. If your money's not organized, then you can't be a player. You can't do anything. So if the money's organized, then uh, there were people, like, let me give you, for example, uh, Lululemon. This is just a well-known example. Uh, they leased 600 stores, pretty much all distressed locations. They got all that stuff for a song and they tied it up for 20-year leases. This was in the Wall Street Journal. 
they took advantage of the pandemic. And uh, other companies took advantage of the pandemic. And uh, Dunkin' Donuts had to close 600 stores before it put itself up for sale uh, to Arby's, who ended up buying it for a pretty low price because they just they were hurting during the pandemic. The pandemic's not over. This asset shuffle's not over. Business is not entirely returned back to normal. Real estate is still being shaken out. Um, in, in New York City, for example, there is a ton of real estate that's been vacated by office uh, you know, situations where people are now working from home. Companies don't know what to do with their office space. The, the, the sublet market has become huge. Um, the repositioning opportunities for these real estate deals is huge. So these are larger deals, but it's happening at the small level too. It's happening. There are landlords that can't hang on, whether they're residential properties. They may have equity in their properties, but they're not holding on for every last penny because there are states that had very onerous eviction moratoriums. I mean, very, very serious that were very landlord unfriendly. So uh, people who have cash are, are making money. Uh, they're investing in things and there are winners and there are losers. People with cash are almost always on the winning side of the formula, almost always, because uh, they have the opportunity to go in, buy low, sell high. This is one of those buy low opportunities. And we have, a for people that end up building their funds, we have a mastermind group, uh, the Money Managers Mastermind. So it's all the people that have built funds. And, and we share information about what parts of the country are things happening in, what's going on, who's doing what, where are the opportunities. And that's how these people decide where they're going to buy some of their assets. And we're not talking about people that have more than $5 million or $10 million. And we're talking about people that have a million or $2 million. Most of them are very small funds. I mean, there are, I mean, imagine how much business you could do if you controlled one, two, or $3 million. And by the way, imagine how much money you'd make if you got profit, 30 or 40% of the profit of three or $4 million worth of real estate. So, uh, you know, that's a, that's a pretty substantial deal. And you pretty much get that out of thin air just for taking the initiative of putting this all together. But, so I love, I love all the things you're talking about. Uh, when I think about what's going on in the market today, there's a lot of people that are talking about, you know, going through the next six months and having to be strong, but there will be a, there will be a market correction. I don't think it'll be as bad as the previous one, but there will be one because the pricing, the house, the pricing index has gone up so high, people's income hasn't gone up to match it, which always creates a gap in the market. I've seen it, and you've seen it over the years. So when's the time to put your money together? Wait till there's a correction? Or is it get your money now and then when it's ready, then well, you start buying? I mean, look, if, if you're not ready, I, I tell people if you're not ready, and ready means the money is ready, then don't bother looking because you're just going to embarrass yourself uh, when, the, when the time comes. I mean, that's, that's it. So one of the things that I tell people, you know, I said right up front that there's an attitude thing, you know, that Chris Collins, what his big takeaway was that it lifted the, it lifted the ceiling off of his, uh, you know, bucket. Um, it was a new attitude for him. The attitude that I give people is I take people out of the real estate business and I put them into the money business. And then they raise the money and guess what they do? Then they go and they go buy real estate with it. So it's not that what you're going to do on a day-to-day -day business is all that different, but the way you think about it is entirely different. And thinking about yourself as a money person instead of as a real estate person, uh, it, it opens the opportunities to you like you can't imagine. And it's, it's, so the money business is a really big money business in the United States. 
So, you know, and you're doing it so you can stay in real estate. I mean, I'm not saying to you know, start buying car washes and investing in cryptocurrency and other kind of crazy stuff, which you might well want to do your, on your own, but I wouldn't tell you to do that in a fund. Uh, I'm, I'm very bullish on some of those things, but, uh, you know, but I don't do that in a fund. So I, I, I want to encourage our group to ask Joel questions as you're thinking about, you know, creating wealth in real estate and being in the money business instead of the selling other people's houses business. What are some of the things that you'd like to know more about? Ask Joel directly. He's, he said we can ask him anything and there's no topic off, off the table in learning how to do this. One of the things that I was going to ask everybody in the group, and you can answer in the chat is, as you think about all the people you've sold houses to over the years, how many of those people do you think would be interested in being part of an investment group that bought more real estate? How many of you can think of clients that like, if you started talking about it, they'd show interest? Family members, friends, like what, what does that look like? Give me a, yeah, I have some, or a yes, definitely, or no. And just put, just put it in the chat and just say yes. That's yeah, awesome. I'm That's curious. a good question. I'm just curious, Ann. Like, and you sell so many houses. Like, I'm just curious if you're thinking about building real wealth, could you, could you identify it? You know, is it 10 people, Joel, or 20 people, or how, how many is too many in a fund? Well, you know, they're, um, you know, you can have uh, two, three, four, five people. Uh, you can have 30 or 40 people. It doesn't really make any difference because, you know, what Wall Street is great at and what this whole thing is about is taking an asset and slicing it up like a loaf of bread. If you have a, um, if you have a, uh, an apartment building and the apartment building, like right now, if you don't know how to do this, you can't really get two or three people to come together and buy something there, there, you can't have multiple people on a deed of trust or on a mortgage, you know, where they loan money in. It's very convoluted and complicated. And that's why this whole business developed the way that it did is that Wall's, what Wall Street's good at is taking an asset and slicing it up so that this person can buy $25,000 worth one share. Let's say shares are $25,000. Somebody says, I'll take one slice. Somebody says, I'll take two slices. That one wants four slices. This person wants uh, three slices. This one wants five slices. And you can sell however many slices to each person until all your slices are gone. Let's say if you need a million dollars, that's at 25,000, that's 40 slices. And you've got 40 slices to sell. And you go out and you say, how many slices do you want? And people say, well, gee, this looks pretty good. They read your materials. I'll take three slices. And, they, uh, and, and those are shares. And, and that's really what this is about. It's about slicing it up into loaves, of, <laughs> into little pieces of bread, just like a loaf. And that's that it's very, very simple. Well, so, Joe, a bunch of questions in the chat. Let me just ask some of them to you. Um, so do you have a, do you set up an LLC for each property you buy? Or you set up a fund that buys this type of property and you fund it? And then so you there's, there's there's two different uh, ways you can do this. You can do a syndication, which is a project, which is an LLC buys an apartment building, it rehabs, it does whatever the business plan is for that deal, and then either holds it, liquidates it, whatever it's going to do. It's a project from start to finish. That's a syndication. A fund is an ongoing business that buys, sells, buys, sells, things come in, things go out, and people just, they just get, you know, whatever they get. And the reason that funds are kind of better, number one, is you have more latitude. Uh, and, and by the way, it, it's not like it's better because it's just these things are just tools. To me, they're just financial tools. It's like somebody says, well, what do you like better? Well, I say to them, what do you like better? You like a, uh, you like a putter or a driver? And they go, well, that's a dumb question. Well, it's the same thing. It's a tool that you use for a specific situation. 
So the thing about a fund that I like, uh, and, and if it's possible to use that, uh, it's an awesome format, is that things come in and out. Let's say that somebody buys one house and let's say that the pandemic comes and all of a sudden uh, you have no tenants. You have no tenant in the house and you can't collect rent and there's a moratorium and whatever happens. Uh, there, there's a good chance the investor could lose the house. Let's say that you have a portfolio of real estate and, and a couple of houses is one part of it and there's a tenant there. That might be one or two or 3% of your revenue that disappears, but no one's going broke. So there's a diversification element that people really like that is part of a fund. And so, you know, you have to look at the situation and, and that's how you decide. So is there, this is a, from Rob, you wants to know, is there a specific cap rate that you um, found most investors are looking for when they're, you know, looking to put the investors, in? investors don't know what cap rates are. Most investors don't understand uh, the things that you're, what you think is important is only important because you're an expert at it and you understand what it is. Investors just want their money to make more money. They want their money to work as hard as they do. So, you know, what you're, you're not going to say the building is going to make uh, 20% because remember out of the 20% it makes, you know, you have to get your cut. Let's say it's going to be, uh, you know, eight, eight points of that and the investors are going to get 12. So you would represent to the investors. We project you're going to make 12% on your money. And the investors are going, that's fantastic. Uh, I'd like to participate. So, you know, you show them a net they, and whatever it takes to make that happen, that's your responsibility. That's not their responsibility. Uh, they're not asking questions about cap rates because uh, that's probably not what they know. And they're not involved in the intimate details of, of a lot of your management decisions. And that's what they're counting on you for. And that's why you need to have some expertise. I saw somebody say, does it matter if you're newly licensed? Listen, there are people who are not licensed at all that have been in real estate for 20 years, but they're not licensed. Now, do you have to be licensed? You don't have to be, but if you want to do the revenue octopus and get the brokerage and all the different kinds of services, then you have to be licensed. But you don't even have to be licensed in this business if you just want to you know, hire other people or you know, do whatever to, to help you. So um, Mike wanted to know if you're going to raise a million dollars and you own 40%, does that mean you put in 400,000? It, it does not mean that at all. You get the four, you get the 40% uh, for being the organizer. So you get that as a gift. That, by the way, if you've ever heard in the news called carried interest, that's what's called the carried interest is you get that for free for being the organizer. And uh, now you also might put in a little cash, but that's part of the 60% that, that you're with the other investors on the 60%, but you get the carried interest for being the, the quarterback of the deal. And, and that's where the majority of your money is going to come from. And it's very tax favorable. Um, you know, let me just tell you that um, every accountant and attorney studies this when they go to college. So they all know how it works. Uh, you know, they may not be experts at it, but they've all seen these things before. Um, the IRS doesn't like these deals, but the Supreme Court of the United States has said that they're legal and that they comply with the law. And so the IRS is okay with them. So everybody is okay with this because it's a legitimate business. And this is how most real estate in the country is, is owned. And, you know, the only people who don't know that are a lot of the realtors, the people who are actually making it possible for all these other people to get wealthy. The realtors, unfortunately, are the only ones who don't understand the game. And, and I think what Verl and I would like to see happen is get a few more of these realtors to kind of be players in the game. 
Well, Joel, when you're uh, presenting to invest potential investors, you're raising a million bucks and you're taking 40% for your uh, management fee. Are the other other investors, is that come is that a negative thing? Or are they like well, okay? So here, here's how it works. How do you position it? Here's how it works. And this is what makes it fair. Remember that this is a, a business that you know has been organized over a long time. The money gets paid in like uh, layers. So the people who put the money in, they get paid first. If there's no if there's not enough money to go around, then the person that gets that free 40% doesn't get anything. So the cash gets paid first, then the promoter gets paid if there's enough money to go around. So the investors, they're going like, you know, if you can make money, if I can get 12%, there's money left over for you, that is fantastic. Happy to be in that. Now, if they get 2% and you get 10%, they, they would be mad. That wouldn't work out at all. But if you can make them a bunch of money and you can get money too, then you've been paid for being smart and for your time and nobody's unhappy about that kind of arrangement. You just have to make sure that everybody's making money. And that's why you have to be smart and pick deals that matter. So does the cap rate matter to investors? No. Does the cap rate matter to you? It matters because you got to buy a deal that you can do uh, profitably for everyone. All right. So uh, Holly wanted to know, where do you find projects? Is there a, is there a certain well, uh, vehicle you used? That's where the realtor comes let me, let me tell you that. Uh, that that question suggests to me that maybe you're not ready to do this because if you have a hard time finding deal flow, then then you know that's that's something to think hard about. So you know I don't want to push people into this that aren't ready for it, but you really need to know where the deal flow is in your marketplace. Uh, I don't teach people how to find the, the deal flow because you're all experts in your own marketplace. You're all experts in your own asset classes. And you need to have that expertise and bring that to the table. And that's, that's really your job. Well, have you found that there's opportunities in any kind of market? Every, every market. There, there are, here, here's the thing. Opportunities are found in irregularities, abnormalities. There, there are really three kinds of problems that real estate people have. There's, there's, uh, we look for distress. I mean, you know, not everybody buys distress. Some people buy the things, but there's, there's owner distress, which is usually a financial problem. It could be a divorce, it could be a pandemic, you know, whatever happened, the, the owner doesn't have the money to keep it going. The second kind is property distress and financial distress usually turns into property distress. And the third thing is that there is market distress where the whole market is in a state of uh, correction. Uh, we don't buy market distress. We buy the other two because we can correct the, the problems of the other two, we can't change the third one. The third one is what 99% of retail buyers, all the people who are your clients, they buy market distress. Oh, the market's down, let's buy now. Well, it's not down for you, it's down for everyone. So you're not really getting a really good deal. When I buy a property, and, and I would imagine when most of you look at a deal, if there were 10 houses on a street and they're all 100 and one of them is priced at 50, you would recognize that right away. And then you'd be able to say, Gee, for 20 grand, we can, we can rehabilitate it. So now we're in it for 70 and now it's worth hundred like everybody else. That's a winning deal. And that's the, that's the kind of eye for, for opportunity that successful syndicators and fund managers have is they look at a situation. Now, other people may not notice that. You know, you may think, well, it's so obvious. Well, it's only obvious to you because you're good at this. Imagine if, if you're a dentist 
And this isn't what you do all day long. You're not looking at real estate. You're not looking at opportunities. And by the way, a lot of these things come to you before they even ever hit the multiple listing services or they ever get shown to the market, the public marketplace. And, and when those things happen, and there are lots of deals, uh, especially apartment buildings and above, um, that never ever hit the, uh, the markets. So those are the kinds of things that, uh, that really, that's why investors are okay with you taking uh, you know, a percentage of the deal because you're bringing something to them that they wouldn't have access to by themselves. And by the way, let me just point out that 40% or 30%, whatever your 50%, whatever the number is, they couldn't get their 12% if you didn't get your 40%. They only get it because, because of you. And when you add that kind of value and you're successful at this, nobody cares as long as everybody's making money together. People don't really care all that much. I mean, you got to be reasonable. You got to be fair. You got to do something that's, you know, in, in the ballpark. But for the most part, people really don't care. And by the way, let me just show you that there have been some slides here. Um, we have a giant video library on all sorts of questions that people like yourselves have written in and asked me. Uh, and we answer these questions. Uh, the ones that are on the screen now are, are highlighted in green. And that's because I do a lot of media. I do a lot of TV shows and kind of answer questions. Uh, the ones in green are, are kind of economic commentary. The ones in red, and, and I'm not sure how we'll do this, but I'll, I'll make sure all of you guys get access to these videos. Uh, the ones that are titled in red are syndication and real estate related questions about raising capital to buy real estate. The ones that are green are, are economics. So we'll, uh, we'll get that straightened out for you. So how do, um, how do people, if they want to take advantage of your um, videos, you know, you have a text code that they can send to you that allows you know what? You to I, I think that what, what Dakota said was that uh, they're going to opt into whatever, whatever you do, you're going to, whoever opted in for this, and then you're going to send it to me and I'll invite all of them privately to just, okay. I mean, if, if everybody's good with that, uh, just receiving an email, uh, I will invite you into, uh, into my world that way and you can participate. You'd like to get, like learn more about what Joel does or have access to his 170 videos where he's training on uh, money and how to put your middle yourself in the middle of it. I think it'd be uh, worth it. So um, he's not asking you to buy anything. Just expand what you believe is possible and let's learn how to build some real wealth. I I'm at a place in my life, Joel, where you know we're working hard, but now as you start to get financial resources, you want to leverage and create leverage with the assets you have. And a lot of people have human leverage they have assets of people and i love the idea of bringing them together to do something that everybody benefits from uh, you can scan the qr code to gain access to the video library or you can just go to workmansuccess.com forward slash revenue octopus and download the information that jill shared with us today joel i appreciate you um being here and just having an open conversation with us about how money works and how we can yeah. learn and understand more about it uh, several thank yous coming in on the chat let's give joel some uh appreciation from the workman family we appreciate all of you being here and uh joel we hope to we hope to see you in january at our next leverage hey we'll uh, we'll definitely be in january hopefully we'll we'll get to uh you know see some of these uh, people live you know and uh you know, by who's that skinny guy in the purple shirt? I, I, I imagine brother hey, talking about you. You're looking good, man. Hey, man, I went to the gym two days in a row. I'm a new man. For you. Good job. Good job. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here. Uh, if you're not a Workman Success client yet, set, sign up for a, a consultation. Let's have a chat. What we do is help people and we help them in their lives and in their businesses grow. We'd love to help you too. Thanks for being here. And I talk, we'll talk to you all soon. Bye, Joel.
Bye, guys. Nice to see everybody. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.